This is the School Success Podcast, a podcast for school leaders to learn from other school leaders what's working and what's not, and to get inspiration and encouragement, as well as strategies to grow school enrollment, connect with families, retain teachers, recruit teachers, and everything in between. You guys are heroes, and I cannot thank you enough for pouring into this next generation that's coming behind us. My goal is you will take at least one thing away from every episode that you can take back to your school to make it better than it is right now. Please enjoy the School Success Podcast. Hey, School Success Makers, welcome to another edition of the School Success Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Slater, and I'm joined by a new friend out of Michigan in Waterford, which is right outside Detroit. And his name is David Stanton, and he's the headmaster at Oakdale Academy there, doing some really cool stuff. I met him in person at a conference I was at back in Pittsburgh back in June, and I love some of the stuff he shared. I sat in on one of his breakout sessions that he taught and I was like, well, this guy's a perfect person to have on the podcast because he's got a lot of experience and a lot of really cool things that I know will add value to you school leaders that are listening today. So I'm excited to jump into that interview in just a minute. But before we do that, I do want to highlight our amazing sponsors over at America's Christian Credit Union. They are celebrating 65 years of service this year, and they provide essential school banking services and a tuition financing program for schools that are looking to reduce their risk and administrative burden. And one of the coolest things about that part, guys, is it costs the schools nothing. But if you're chasing people all year round to try and get tuition from them and at the end of the year, maybe you've only collected 95% of what you really owed, you're missing out on revenue. So what you can do is have them get your families get a loan from the credit union, and then you get your money up front as the school it doesn't cost you anything. And the bank works with the families and doesn't cost you anything. So go check it out. americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. That's americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. All right. Well, as we jump into today's episode, it's exciting because as we record this, the Detroit Lions just beat the Kansas City Chiefs last Thursday. And so David's still a little bit, he's a little uneasy about it. He doesn't think it's for real, but I'm going to, me as a Chicago Bears fan, I lost to the backers again. So Detroit's got me one up right now. So David, tell me all about that and introduce yourself to the yeah, audience. Yeah, today, thanks, Mitchell. Thanks for having me on. You know, as we were talking a little bit before we started recording, yeah, I don't, I don't buy it yet. I've been 35 <laughs> years waiting for that magical year. I think I've seen maybe, maybe two playoff games in my entire life for the Lions. And we will find a way to lose to the Packers also. Either either the Packers and or the Bears, and usually whichever one we play Thanksgiving Day, we will absolutely find a way to lose. So we are consistent here in Metro Detroit. And, and we're the toughest, amongst the toughest fans, maybe not as tough as tough as the, the dog pound in Cleveland, but we're pretty tough fans and we're, we're still waiting, but yeah, I'm not sold. I'm not sold. This is their year yet, <laughs> but but it's but it's great to be here. Uh, great to connect with you again and and to, to pour into school leaders. I'm 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 really excited. It's become a passion. Is is Oakdale here? Is is just flourished as we've gotten out of startup mode over the last couple of years, and and now how can we help pour into other schools? So excited to to join you today. Love it. Well, I always start with the same question. So if I was to come visit you in Waterford and you were to have like the best experience there, you say, Mitchell, you got to go to this restaurant. You got to do this tourist thing. What is the thing that I need to do if I go to your area? Yeah. I, here, in, here in Detroit, it's really interesting. Somebody pointed out that not many people spend much time downtown Detroit, partly because they, they feel unsafe, which I don't know if I agree with as much anymore. There's some great, great spots downtown, but right around us, we're about 45 minutes from the city center 
of Detroit, there are some just great, not, not even chain restaurants, some little restaurants. So about five minutes from here is, a, is kind of a large outlet mall with just some great little eateries and everything all around. Up, It's a road called Baldwin Road, right up Baldwin Road. Some great local eateries and, and all through this. It's called the Lakes area. So what we love is, is not just the eateries, but it's the, the natural beauty that we have here and just really experiencing uh, God's creation. We, we tell people it takes, wherever you are in, in this area of Detroit, it takes 15 minutes to get anywhere because you have to drive around at least one lake uh, to get there. So just, a, just an absolute beautiful place. Hike, run, uh, walk, just even take a nice drive. Uh, fall's coming, so everyone's excited for the leaves to fall or to change. Uh, and then comes the, the doldrums of winter up in, in the great white north here. So now I've heard, I've never been to Detroit before, but I've, of course, you kind of already hinted at it. I've always heard people like, oh, Detroit's dangerous. You can get, you can get shot in downtown Detroit. Are those like just, obviously there's bad parts of every city, yeah. but is it kind of like, eh, that's not what it was. It's better now. I, I think it is. I mean, you know, we, we'd hear, we heard here, pardon me, about rebuilding all the time and everything. And then we, and then we went bankrupt, right? The largest municipality to go bankrupt in, in history at the time. But I, I think the, there's there's a desire to make the city thrive, make it flourish again. But it but it takes all of us, you know, up, up here in the suburbs as well to to really pour into the vibrancy of the entire. We we call it the metro area, the tri county areas. A lot of places I'm sure do. You know, we're we somewhat rise and fall by the auto industry as well. So there's there's desires to kind of you know move beyond just the auto industry. But it it's really one of the lifelines of of Metro Detroit. So when you know, like Texas, I suppose, when the oil wells are doing well. I just watched the movie The Rookie. So when the when the oil derricks are moving, things are going well. When they're not, things aren't going well. And it's somewhat true for the auto industry here. But it's a, it's really interesting. It's a, it's it's an area with with a lot of different types of people, and and it's a political middle ground. It's it's swayed back and forth on things. So it makes for some fascinating uh, conversations with people anywhere you go. So I, I love the area. I love it. Why it's on my list. I yeah. mean, I, I want to visit everywhere, but it is on my list to visit. I'd love to go to a Bears Bears Lions game in the in the dome. That'd be awesome. Yeah, pretty so, cheap so. tickets for what we what we have to offer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure with my I'm sure with my luck, they would the Bears would probably lose that game. I, I actually had a realization on Saturday. Super side story on this. I went to some big Florida Gator fan for football, and but I've never been to a game, and you know, I live four hours away from the stadium, so. My friend and I, both Gator fans, went to the, our first, the Gator game on Saturday, which they won. It was a cupcake game. And I was like, awesome. As we're driving to the game, though, I started going through all the games I've been to in my life, which isn't a lot, yeah. but I've been to Bears games. And, and I've never seen my team win a game in person before. Any of the teams well, I've gone to, they I mean, if that's always the case, please, lose. Please come on up for a Bears and Lions game. That would be great. <laughs> Help us out a little bit. We, we would call it the Slater rule. Well, I think I broke you know? There you yeah. There it is. It's the Slater. I also call it the Slater curse because the Gators did win, though. They didn't lose the cupcake game. So, so I think they broke that You know, whatever, right? Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to hear your backstory before we dive into some of the questions I have for you, David. Yeah. How you got to Oakdale, past and experience in education and beyond. Yeah, that. yeah. I started, I uh, graduated from Hillsdale College back in the late 90s and uh, started out in a, in a, a traditional uh, Christian school for four years. I uh, made the decision that I thought I could make an impact in public schools, so I, so I transitioned into public schools and taught uh, mainly high school classes for almost, almost nine, ten years, 
and then switched over to school administration and spent the last nine years or so as a middle school administrator and just got to a point, in all honesty, where the, the progressive movement inside education, it had always been there, right? But it was becoming very palpable and very hard to live out for me, a, a Christian walk with transgender ideology coming in and, you know, all about testing and, and, you know, so many other issues. And so I was praying that I could find some way to either make it to retirement, which was almost a decade off, even in Michigan and how I could, how I could endure. And lo and behold, this beautiful little classical Christian school called Oakdale Academy was looking for a head of school. And I was on vacation and sent one of those emails that you sometimes send like, Hey, I'm I'm looking, if you guys are looking, it was just a horribly worded email and hopefully my, my, my board members aren't, aren't hearing this, but it was this horribly worded email and, and I got a, I got a reply back sometime later. So let's, let's grab coffee. And within two weeks, I was uh, settling on a contract with, with Oakdale. So I, I chalk it all up to God's perfect timing. And uh, I've been here just about five full years. I started in, a, in February of 2019 and just about five years and have not looked back. It's been fantastic just watching this fledgling little school uh, that should never have opened, uh, let alone stay open, uh, because we do things so vastly differently, like many of your guests recount in, in similar schools, that yet God continues to bless us when we stick true to our mission. Man, and you started and you're, you celebrated your one-year anniversary and then COVID hit. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then at one point, I don't know if I shared this with you, in late, late 2020, I was, I just recently retired from the Navy reserve and I was deployed and I ran the school on a robot. We had like an iPad on a stick and I would, based on time change, I was in the middle East. I would, you know, be done with my military work. I'd go back to my quarters and I would drive this robot around the school and run the school and run meetings and everything from there. So we've had so many challenges just in the, just in the few years I've been here. Uh, but we've just, we've stuck true to our mission and, and just watched God continue to bless us. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. Thank you for your service yeah, well, my as pleasure. well. That's awesome. Well, tell me a little bit then about Oak. We'll talk about specifically Oakdale. Yeah. Like I'd love to hear a little bit of their history first, before I ask you some of the questions I have, like how they, how old they are, where you guys are at. Yeah, we're, we're in our 13th year. So we actually have a couple of seniors who will be the first ones that go kindergarten through 12th grade, which is really exciting. But right now we're junior kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. We have just under 200 students here. Uh, we started with 32 students uh, 13 years ago. And, you know, having heard the story uh, of how this place came to be, I, I just echo again, we never should have opened. Uh, it was a group mm -hmm. of about five to seven families who were kind of getting concerned about a local private school, local Christian school that was kind of dabbling in some more progressive methodologies and things. And. Uh, they tried to approach it and tried to see if they could correct it or understand things and ultimately felt led to uh, connect with some folks over at Hillsdale Academy and Hillsdale College. And uh, jokingly, they found out later, they said, well, you should just start your own school. And so they did. And in three months, roughly, they formed a nonprofit, found a building that we're still in and opened a school. And you, and you, don't, you don't do that in three months unless God's with you. And <laughs> And they, they started with 32 students, kindergarten through 10th grade, which I know they will all say, don't do that. Start like K-1-2 and add a grade every year, but that's who they had. And so kindergarten through 10th grade, and, and we've just kind of watched things skyrocket from there because we're, we're offering, I think in particular in the last three years, and I, I, talking with other school leaders, I think we all just about echo this, 
parents are starting to take back ownership of their children's education. They're starting to see what was really going on in schools when they were watching them all, you know, online and starting to understand what was what was really going on and what was being taught to their kids that they never thought would be taught to their kids in their nice little school nearby. And so Oakdale is the, the beneficiary of parents taking over their children's education again, because we, we simply say we're, we're doing things the way they always used to be done. We're not, we're not being revolutionaries. We're just going back to first principles of how things should still be done. And I think that answers, um, answer something for a lot of parents. And we're really excited to, to partner with them, to remind them that they're their children. It's their job to raise them. It's they're the primary educators, primary disciplers in the faith. But it's, it's been fascinating just to watch, just because the entire time, in, in good times and in bad, we've stuck with a, a, a very specific mission. <clears throat> Sorry. We say it this way, to instill character, truth, and wisdom in our students. We do it in order to prepare them for a life of service to God, family, community, and country through classical Christian education. And we always make sure we then say, in that order, right? It's, it has nothing about college prep, though our students are ready for college. It has nothing to do with vocational education or STEM or STREAM or anything else. We're giving them the, the foundational tools they need to just be a good human being that flourishes and learns about God and is learning to serve him first and then others, however However, he's inviting them to do so. So I, I talk about it for hours, right? I mean, I, I love the mission. I love what we do here. My team and my teachers are fantastic representatives of, of classical education, what, what we hope to, how we hope to impact the world for Christ ultimately. Hey, school success makers, just a really quick break to highlight one of our amazing sponsors, and that is ClassReach. Now, ClassReach supports schools of all sizes from application to graduation. Take charge of your school with ease, power, and mobility using ClassReach, the school management software administrators and teachers love using. You can get your free demo at ClassReach.com. That's ClassReach.com. They are amazing people, and they provide this amazing SIS software for you to keep track of your students' grades, communicating with families that are enrolled, and a whole bunch more. So again, check it all out on their website, ClassReach.com. They are awesome. All right, now back to the show. I love it. Uh, it sounds like things are going great, but I know with all of that, with with where you're at in being head head of school and 13 years and all this, there's still got to be some challenges. So I'd love yeah. to start on that. If there's any that come to mind for, hey, here's some challenges we're up against right now, but here's what we're trying to do to combat those challenges. Right yeah, now. it's a great one. I mean, when you get to this point in the life of a school, whether about 10 to 15 years, somewhere around 200, 250 students, uh, you start to really experience that the culture that started the school is not the same culture that you have now. And so, you, you know, you're going to make sure that you preserve the best of that culture, but also help the culture hone itself, not even grow, but, but hone itself so that it sticks true to your mission. So I think that's an ongoing challenge. I'll use a, an interesting example. So we have, like many schools, a house system for our rhetoric school students. And we were, we were looking at things uh, last year in particular, and we said, we're just not sure the house system is, is meeting the needs that we said it was going to. So we made a decision to put a pause on all house stuff, all house activities for about three weeks. And right away, a lot of the kids were upset. Uh, and when we sat down then with them and explained why we were doing it and asked for their feedback by grade level, so all the ninth graders, all the 10th, all the 11th, all the 12th graders, we got some really interesting feedback. They felt in many ways the same thing. They're like, yeah, we're just, we're just doing this to do it. And so we, we said, okay, we're going 
we're going to take the rest of this you know school year because it was about february when we were done with this pause and they had to look at their exemplar who their house is named after so for us it's augustine ark churchill and da vinci and say is, is that who you still want to exemplify as a house and they'd come up with new uh, kind of mottos and a new symbol and you know we kind of rebranded um, our house activity and so one of the things that they said was we want some extra time to do house activities to to continue to build our culture so we now every tuesday morning have house time where we break about take a couple minutes from each of our classes and the first week we do an activity like dodgeball or a chess tournament or something like that the second week is some type of social dance so we did a, a this past tuesday yesterday for when we're recording a dance called the ship's cook so they're learning how to jig and dance around appropriately and the third week, we do a, a convocation where we listen to them. We have a discussion with all of them. And then the fourth week, they actually mentor younger students in the grammar and logic school. So, I mean, that's just one small aspect of, of a continuing challenge is you want to make sure the culture is right, that it's a place kids want to come to and a place parents also trust you're doing what's right by their, by their most precious possession, their children. As we grow, another challenge is we're running out of space, which is a great challenge to have. We need we need to add on. We need to build a building, and you know, in, in our specific area, that's that's become a little bit more problematic. We, we're right on the border of a couple of municipalities, and some of them haven't liked that the sleepy little school is starting to build up and and everything. But mm-hmm. you know, trying to learn how to do a capital campaign as a community and, and all those things are some really exciting really exciting challenges that we that we're facing right now. Man, and it's they're they're good challenges, yeah. you know. I all have healthy challenges, you know. So I, I I love that, and I love that you guys are growing. And with the building, is that a piece of you can stay where you are and add on to the building, or you literally have to move? Well, like, is it- uh, yeah. Our hope is we we actually own eight acres, and we're putting a soccer field in right now. Actually, I, I can kind of hear bulldozers moving in the background right now, which is really exciting. But we still have plenty of property, so then you have to just navigate through you know, zoning laws and township regulations. And, you know, we want to, we want to always be a good neighbor because we're actually in a neighborhood. So we want to make sure that, you know, we're a lot of architects in, in the classical world will say, make sure you're trying to match the the architecture of your neighborhood. So it's, so it's not this, you know, huge box store in the middle of, in the middle of a neighborhood full of nice houses that are ranches or duplexes. So, you know, it's, it's trying to work through all those things to see, but I, I think it's a possibility, a strong possibility we can remain here, but We'd be unwise if we didn't look around to see what what else is there. So eight acres, and you guys are on the same property that they started 13 years yeah. ago. Did they buy with 30 students buy eight acres? It's with 30 no, students. so they 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 purchased it from a church. I think it was on a land contract initially, but then we have since purchased it through a mortgage with a local a local bank. Okay, yeah. I was like, man, for three months startup, and they're in the same location. I was like, wow, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. And it, it's, a, it, it's an old school. It was, a, it was a public elementary school started in the okay. 60s, 63 or so, I think. And then it was bought by a church and then kind of sat vacant for a little while. And then Oakdale came in and rented initially, but then got a, a land contract and, and since, since purchased it. So it's nice. We didn't have to, we had to do some renovations, I, I understand, but it was a school already, which, which really helped to start so quickly. That's huge. Yeah. No, that's huge. Well, you got challenges part. Let's go. Let's talk about what's going really good. I'm excited about some of the things to hear about what's going on at Oakdale. Yeah, it's going good. Yeah, thanks. You know, Mitchell, one of the things that, that we talked about, I think, even down in Pittsburgh and, and since then is um, 
one of the things that I love is that as we grow, not everything has to come to my office. I mean, I love interacting with people. It's you know, part of going into teaching is you like to be with people. But as I start focusing on kind of long-term strategy and vision and, and those things, uh, one of the things that we need to continue to do is kind of make sure that those coming into the school are taken care of. So when you give a tour and everything else, it's it's been something that I learned at a conference. And so we actually have a group of students that give tours. We just call them student ambassadors. We give them a book. They have to you know, kind of read through the book, which kind of guides them through the school and gives them some talking points. And then they have to typically give me or another staff member a tour first before we let them go out. And, and one of the things I love is when uh, my secretary welcomes them, I can hear them. And she says, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, this is Josh. He's going to be giving your tour. And their eyes kind of like bug out the first, you know, the first time, like you're letting a kid walk me around this building. And I meet with them at the end. And I always ask them, how did Josh or how did Grace do? And every single time, they did such a great job. They knew about the school. And so for me, I mean, yeah, we again, we have a binder. We prep them. We don't just cut them loose, but it shows that, you know, we, we really pour into these students and we trust them to tell other people about their school. Right. And that's, that's how we look at it is, is about their school. So that's been a, that's been a fantastic one that I, I really love. I, I'll be honest, it saves me hours and hours and hours as much as I love giving the tours. It's really nice to see them shine. And uh, we give them some special recognition as being student ambassadors. They help us out at, excuse me, fundraising events as well. There's some of the students that help greet people. And we're building skills into these kids. You know, how do you, how do you greet people? How do you talk with strangers about something important to you? It's been really exciting. That's, that is one of our biggest success stories, I think, in the last couple of years from, at least from an admission standpoint, is, is getting these student ambassadors going. Man, I, so I love that one because I, I've not heard of not saying that other schools don't do it, but I never heard of a school doing that until you had mentioned that in Pittsburgh. And, and it was one of those ones going, duh, like, why didn't I even think of that? Like, why hasn't maybe other schools thought about that is because if you finish a tour, if I have a, if I have a student, I'm like, I want my student to be just like this exactly. student that's able to take their, that is just super cool. So I love that one. And it's speaking to who you guys are as a school and what you stand for and how you're pouring into making new leaders and all of that. How do you guys, so for those listening and going, oh man, I'd love to, to start, start this, have a student ambassador program. Is that something where you would suggest it's just handpicked by you? Do you have people apply for that? What would you suggest a school to how to have, how many should they have in a school? Anything yeah. to add for that? Yeah, those are great questions, Mitchell. It's, it, it really, my students have to apply. So I have about a one page application that includes an essay and it's a simple essay. You know, why would you make a good representative for, for Oakdale Academy? But they have to, as part of that application, they have to get a signature from one of their current teachers. And it's minor or only rhetoric school students, only ninth through 12th grade. And they also have to get their house sponsor, who's another teacher, to, to endorse their application. So they have to talk to two teachers and get their, their endorsement before they even submit their application. And then I usually do an interview with them. And we, we just kind of walk through how would, why is this important to you? Because, you know, I, I, I think I've, I've done enough that I know it looks really good on a college application. And I want to make sure that's not the only reason they're doing it. I want to give them that reward that it, that it does go on a college application. It looks nice. I get it. But I want them to have a little bit more of an altruistic way about it that they're trying to serve. And so that's, that's kind of one of the weeding process. If how many, I have eight 
And what that does is, you know, in, in tour season, right? And like March, April timeframe, it cuts down on the amount of tours any one student gets. Cause we set our tours pretty much at the same time of day. Uh, they're available every day, but at the same time of day. Uh, so that's a little bit more predictable for the students. Um, so you want to have a few more than you think you'd have tours for. And you want to have a couple older ones, a couple younger ones to train them. Cause sometimes they have to go around a couple of times with the more experienced ambassador to just get comfortable and, uh, and everything. So the number is a, a tricky one. You want to, so there are more than there are tours, but you don't want so many that some of them don't end up doing a tour ever. And then it still goes on their college application. Um, so you, you want them to, to, to get the opportunity to take part in it. Yeah, I, that's probably one of my f- favorite ideas, mm-hmm. things that somebody is doing and, and using regularly. And, it's like yeah, and I stole it. I was at a conference too. So I, I stole it from somebody else. So it's a, uh, I'd love to claim full credit for it, but it's been it's been a blast to to watch it watch it grow. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, I know you've had some other things that are some wins that we had talked about. What are some other ones that come to mind? Yeah, we 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 were doing a podcast at one point, and a huge audience of about fourteen people. So it was you know <laughs> a shot to the pride a little bit when you kept looking, and it's only fourteen people. So we decided to retool it, and rather than usually just one person. Uh, we do things that you and I are doing right now. We have, we have a conversation with folks. We call it classical dialogues. And so I interview uh, different members of my team and then different uh, people in the classical Christian movement. Uh, and we've taken that as, again, trying to make sure culture is right. We've made a couple of those podcasts and a couple of videos that we've done about parent culture required watching or listening prior to an admissions interview. So, you know, the, the typical process, right? You 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 get interested, you email, call, contact the school somehow, we get back to you, you sign up for a tour, you do some entrance testing, then there's an admissions interview, and then you talk enrollment tuition. We put an extra step in there after entrance testing, but before the admissions interview, that we just slow things down a little bit. We say you need to you need to listen to these podcasts to understand classical Christian education. You need to listen about these kind of voiceover PowerPoints where you can hear about the vision directly from me and hear about a culture of generosity when it comes to fundraising. We're upfront and we tell them we're going to ask for money above and beyond tuition. We have $25, 2500 25000 or more, but we are going to ask. We want this to be part of your regular giving. And that's been really good because we now know we have parents that are serious enough to take time to do some reading and some listening and some watching because then there are questions. And I, I ask questions during the interview. To, I mean, I can tell if they've done it on the computer, but uh, I want to push in and ask them questions. Is this a good fit for them? Is it also a good fit for us? And and have the, you know, the, the boldness to say, I, I don't think this is a good fit. Your kids scored fine. They did great. And it's not about being superior to anybody else. It's just, I don't want to take somebody's money where this isn't going to work well. Uh, for you. So that's been a a huge win for incoming parents. But then it's the ongoing parents, the ones who have been here for a while. Um, One of the phrases that I've heard almost all five years I've been here is when you you stand up and you talk about the things that students are, are learning and what they're reading is, oh, I wish I had that type of education. And I, I was chewing on that for the longest time. And I thought, well, we should be able to provide that. And so we started, we tried it a little bit. It kind of got a little traction. We, again, rebrand something sometimes. It looks like a better idea than it had the first time around. So we, we have something new this year called Oakdale U. 
and every family is required to take one class during the school year. So we're two of them last night. Our first two initial classes, I do an introduction to classical Christian education. We call it, you know, CCE 101. My dean of academics did a, you know, why, what is cultivating virtue look like? And did a, did a talk about that. And we have our rhetoric school department head as one of our science teachers talking about the beauty of God's creation through astronomy, because astronomy is a new class for us in 12th grade. We do a, a curriculum called Story of the World, so our grammar school department head is going to do one about Story of the World. Our logic school head will do how do you teach or how do you read with your students. We have some on parenting. So we're trying to get different times, 6.30 at night, 8.30 in the morning during the school day, an hour before pickup, just to continue to invest in our parents. And the way we phrase it is, yes, it's required, but you should want to come to more than just one for your own learning pick up the book and read it. It's, it's going to be fine. You're not going to understand it, but neither did we the first time we read it and neither did your kids the first time they read it, but just keep reading it. Keep, keep studying these things. They are you know what those transcendentals, right? They're, they're good. They're true. They're beautiful. And you should want to learn them. Our goal is to kind of kindle what Plutarch said, to kind of kindle the flame, right? Kind of keep it going even for parents and to build a community because I'm convinced that, you know, the classical Christian world, the Christian world more specifically is going to need each other more and more as the world gets darker, darker, crazier and crazier. We're going to need a, a, a good base of like-minded people that understand those first principles, understand how God's calling us and, and how we can best love and serve him. So it's been thrilling to, to watch it get off the ground and watch people sign up for multiple classes already. And we, we kind of, so far, don't have more than about 10 people in each class. So it actually, we tell them, this is going to be just like what your kids see every day. We're going to have discussions. We're going to do Socratic dialogue. You, you don't get to just sit there. You have to interact. And we hope that it, I would love if it kind of spurred on some just other learning and some parents gathering here to do book clubs. We just found out, I was so excited, based on some things that I've been working on, and we're going to start doing some videos just for dads. There's a group of dads that meet that have kind of unofficially called themselves Oak Dads um, that meet and just kind of encourage and disciple each other. And I, I just love it because of something we did here. I've got dads now pouring into each other and getting involved in their kids' education and into each other's lives, which I think can only improve uh, the lives of their families that they're leading. So really, I mean, those are, again, I could, I could tell you for hours some of the, some of those cool things that, that are hard to measure quantifiably. But qualitatively, you look at them and it's like, this, this is a community that's really pulling together and really moving in a great direction. It's so exciting to see. Man, and it really is. And I want to digest a couple of these things and yeah. dive into a couple of them that you made. So I'm sure there are schools that are listening and they're going, man, that sounds awesome. But if I start asking all those questions, I'm just going to lose people in the process yeah. and I need seats, butts in seats. So well, real quick on that one, how would you kind of respond to a school that's been like, man, I, I'm scared to ask for more of that, be forward about asking for more money throughout the year? Like what kind of what's your response to something like that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think a couple of things, Mitchell. I think first, because it's a, that's a fantastic question. It's, you have, I think personally, and, and, and we've not always grown. I mean, we've had years where we've shrunk, but you, you have to be bold to make sure that you're sticking with your mission. And are you... Are you having, you know, people occupy space in your building, but that's all they're doing, right? Or, or is this a family that's really connected that we call missionally aligned? And if they're not missionally aligned, you know, likely they're going to exit anyway, right? So yeah. are you really just, are you really just taking their money? 
I mean, at the end of it, or, you know, are you, are you really trying your hardest to make sure that they see the vision and the mission of the school and will they align with it? Then, then you work with them. If they're not, it might just be time to part ways as much as that hurts the, the financial bottom line. It really improves the, the overall culture of the school. The other part is an adage I, I learned from somebody that was a, a supervisor of mine once is go slow to go fast, right? I, I, these are things that I've been dreaming about for years, you know, so it sounds like, wow, in two years they did all this stuff. And oh, yeah, no, <laughs> these are things that we had conversations about and kept planning. And student ambassadors was an easier one to get off uh, the ground, but, you know, offering voluntary classes. We used to do Oakdale U is a different version when I first got here. It's just called Coffee with the Classics. It was Saturday mornings four times a year and didn't have a ton of people show up, but a teacher just, just retaught a lesson they had recently taught and parents got to experience it. Um, maybe it's a follow your kid's schedule one night. We're just kind of do mini lessons. So uh, go slow to go fast. All, all you know, leaders, all heads of school have these great ideas. You know, you start you know, socializing them amongst your leadership team and kind of get, get the idea to be better. Uh, than when we first come up with it, because it's not always just our idea, right? Very rarely is it the same idea that we started with. But ultimately for us in the, in the classical and Christian world, it's, and then just trust God for some of the details. Sticking to your mission, I would say you can't go wrong. If your mission is grounded in truth uh, and goodness and beauty, you, you can't possibly go wrong. And, and then be prepared to fail. <laughs> That's okay. We always tell our parents that we learn through failures too. So be prepared to have a great idea just kind of flop on you. I've got a long list of them. <laughs> I mean, it's been great to share some cool ones, but there been a, there's quite the long list of things that didn't work well. But you just retool it and, and see, if, see if you can get it to work better for what the needs of your community are. <clears throat> Excuse me. Man. Well, to, to dive, well, for that thing you're doing, I know there's a, we talked about one of the softwares earlier in our conversations, but like, what are some softwares you use to, you know, do this? Cause I, I feel like people are listening going, oh yeah, I want to have parents watch something. How do I know if they watched it? What do I do yeah. for like this, this piece of like tracking it? What do you guys use to kind of manage the, those things? Yeah. The one that we use, I, I, again, I learned from a different uh, school, a, a friend down in Houston, it's called Thinkific. Uh, and it, you can do so many lessons, uh, I think at a free rate. And then you can see when somebody has joined the class and you can see the progress that they've made. So that's just our simple platform. When we track people's physical attendance, you know, we have a sub stack, no form stack, sorry, form stack that our, our website guy can, can track who's been there. And then we just kind of calculate attendance. So usually they're, they're pretty simple tools that somebody in your community knows, you know, most of our schools are, are not a thousand people. We're having different business, you know, layers of business professionals employed by the school. We've got somebody that knows tech, somebody that knows something to help you automate things, but automating the things in a way that they're still personal, right? I mean, that's, that's the key yeah. to me. That's awesome. I love it. Well, I want to end with one question for you because yeah. it's all been good, but I want to end with one major one. It's a piece of advice. If you were to share one or two piece of, yeah. pieces of advice for the school leaders listening, what would you say that would be? Yeah, always stick to your mission. Um, mission drift is, is one of the most dangerous things for, uh, for, for classical schools, for Christian schools, for any school. Um, your mission is that, that core foundational document that whether you were involved in creating it or rewriting it, you were the founder 
It was, it was done for a reason and you should, you should take time to validate it every couple of years. This is still who we are. It's still what we do. And once you have it, stick with it because if something doesn't fit inside that mission, you should question why are, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this thing? So that mission drift is a very dangerous thing because there are a lot of shiny objects, a lot of funding from other places you could easily get. But if it doesn't fit in the mission, you really got to question whether you should do it. But that, that mission first, mission always concept is, is so important because that should be the consistent message your parents, your teachers, your students, your donors, your board should hear from you as, as a school leader, as a head of school in particular, is this is our mission, this is how we're going forward, and this is how I make decisions, is what's best for the school and its mission first before myself, before anybody else. That, that to me is the most important thing we do uh, every single day. Man, and I agree with that too. And if you were real quick, if somebody's listening, they're going, yeah, we, I think we, we have one, we need to redo it. Do you recommend them just sitting down in a room with their board and doing it on their own? Or is there a course, a study? Should they bring somebody outside to come in and help them? You know, they just write something and wing it, you know, and then put it up there for the, who they are. How do you suggest schools create one? Yes to all of those things. <laughs> I think you're starting, <laughs> right? Uh, you, you get a draft. What 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 is it that we do? I mean, in, in a Christian world, you pray about it. You ask for the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom in it. Um, but then you do reach out. I mean, in the 1980s, there were three classical Christian schools. There are almost five, 700 now. There are people that, that know how to do these things. And reaching out to the different organizations, whether it's ACCS, the Association of Classical Christian Schools, the Society for Classical Learning, a lot of schools will be part of the Hillsdale College K-12 office, you know, or just you know, going on one of those and finding a school finder within a certain distance of you and just start sending out emails. Hey, can you help? I mean, I, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm on a headmaster support and evaluation committee of a school in Indiana. I'm, I'm talking with a, a friend that just took over a head of school job in Iowa. I mean, the beauty of technology, as much as classical schools kind of tend to shy away from technology in the classroom, is you can pour into each other's lives. And I know SCL in particular has head of school cohorts they meet with an experienced head of school for a year. ACCS is doing something similar coming up, I think, in the next month or so. So staying connected and being able to bounce ideas because as much as you have your board and that, that important relationship is there, none of them likely know what it's like to sit in this chair, right? And you're alone. I mean, you have, you have a group of people around you, but no one else has the responsibility that you have. So being able to reach out and, you know, even if you're doing the mission revisit, saying, hey, what are your mission? What does your mission look like? What does yours look like? How did you guys come to that? Traveling to each other, you know, playing roles in each other's schools and growing that greater community, I think. So yes, again, yes to all of those things. Uh, start it off and, and see what's important to your community and then reach out for help. Love it, man. Yeah. It's been one of my favorite episodes, David. Is I've I've learned a lot. I'm hoping that the guests have learned a lot too. So I appreciate you taking time out of your day during the middle of the week, during while school is in session, hopping on a podcast to to share yeah. some of your knowledge. So my thank pleasure. you for that. Yeah. Thank you for taking time. And, yeah, thanks. Uh, wishing it's, you guys nothing but the best. Yeah. To hopefully, build another building or whatever. Yes. Right. Yeah. No. I hope so. God willing, it's uh, it'll happen. We'll just have to see how he decides to let it happen. Right. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, David, so much, man. Thank you, Mitchell. Appreciate it. 
Well, another huge shout out and a thank you to David for taking time and being on the podcast today. I love what he's doing there at Oakdale, wishing them nothing but the best as they continue to grow and educate the next generation that's coming behind us. And as always, I'm really hoping you guys were able to take at least one thing from today's episode that you can take back to your school to make it better than it is right now. Some of those sweet takeaways that I loved is having some of your students do the school tours. Like that is awesome. Or making your prospective families watch videos or do some type of thing about what your school stands for, what you're about, what your expectations are before they even get to the final step of getting an interview to apply for the school. Like those are some awesome things to put in place. So if you need to, of course, rewatch the video, watch it on one and a half speed if you need to. And I get some of those nuggets that David was sharing there. They were awesome. Well, guys, some great ways to connect with us and our team. You can download and get access to our uh, newsletter. Oh my goodness. called the School Success Report. And you can find that on our website, schoolsuccessmakers.com. That's schoolsuccessmakers.com. In the top right, there's a button you can click to get the uh, School Success Report that uh, launches this fall. And as you guys are listening to this, it should already be launched uh, as the time of recording this. Uh, and then you please join our private Facebook community just for school leaders called School Success Makers, because that's what you guys are, your school success makers. So please join our private community. I'm in there. Personally, I'd love to see you guys in there as well. And we have some other really cool things coming down the pipeline. But as always, please let me know if you guys have any comments, suggestions, ideas, guests that you'd love to see on here. We want to hear them. And if you're loving the content that we're putting out, please give us a five-star review. Tag us on social media. Share this with your friends, your other colleagues in schools. We would really appreciate it. That would mean the world to us. And we appreciate you guys listening. We love doing this. I love being a part of your success as an educator and a, a person that's loving and teaching these students all week long. So thank you for what you're doing. We'll be back here next week with another amazing guest as usual on the School Success Podcast. We'll see you then.